Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. Do you think he's still alive? I don't know. I, I think after 20 years, it'd be pretty far stretched to, to still think that. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. 32-year-old Moline, Illinois native Steve Asplin was last seen on January 9th, 1994. Steve was the person that would give you the shirt off his back. Tim Miner is the last person known to have seen his friend Steve Asplund alive. Steve had stopped by Tim's house in Moline just before he disappeared. He just wanted to borrow a caulking gun, you know, and there was, there was nothing different about him. It was just the same old Steve, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. For the past 28 years, Steve's family and friends have been looking for answers. It'd be nice to find out that, you know, Steve had been out there living a, a good life for the last 20 years, but if that's not the case, and I, I think that uh, justice needs to be served. I miss him, you know, and I want more than anything to closure for myself, but more for his mother and his twin sister and his brother. More importantly for them, because they're wonderful people and I don't like the pain they have to live with every day. In January 2014, police announced a break in the case, calling it the most promising lead in two decades. We're gaining speed here, and we, we believe after 20 years that something could break in this case shortly. A recent review of old and new tips have led police back to this. Uh, this is the best recreation that we have, this picture. This sketch circulated years ago of a man potentially seen with Steve. Police now say they know who he is and are closing in on one or more persons of interest. We actually feel now confident that we can go forward and hopefully present something to the state's attorney's office. Despite the news at the time, no arrests were made, and the disappearance of Steve Asplund remained a missing persons case. But earlier this month, investigators finally closed the case of what happened to Steve Asplund. Moline police say they've identified the remains of a man who went missing nearly 30 years ago. A search that began on a snowy riverbank in January 1994. Just some blood in the rocks and this big steel pipe over here. Is now ending nearly 30 years later. The news, while bittersweet, will allow us some closure. We'll still think of Steve every day and miss him just the same, but these answers will provide comfort to us and his friends. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. I'm joined now by Jenna Webster, a reporter at WQAD News 8. Jenna, thanks for being here with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Tell us what happened back in January, I believe it was, of 1994. Steve Asplund essentially vanished. Yeah, so it was one of those kind of vanished without 
a trace sort of things. It was January 9th, 1994. Like you said, um, he's from Moline, um, the Illinois side that um, is our hometown. And he went, he was doing a construction project at his house. He went just five minutes up the road um, to a friend's house to borrow um, a caulking gun. He was there for a little bit. And then after a while, he left. And the next day, his fiance um, actually reported him missing. And it wasn't until a few days later, they found his car um, over in Bettendorf. That's the Iowa side. So he had crossed um, the river. His car was down um, by the Mississippi River and, again, disappeared without a trace. There was no sign kind of of where he had gone. And Steve Asplund was, he was just 32 years old. And as far as anyone knew, I mean, no one really had any idea what had happened to him. They found his car and there were some other uh, suspicious, I guess, clues that came up right pretty quickly. Yeah. It was a couple months later um, in July that they found a medical ID card down the river at a park sitting like on the handrail. And they didn't know if this was connected at all, if someone had placed it there, you know, not being familiar with the case or if it was someone on purpose had put it there sort of thing um, who was familiar with the case. So they had his vehicle, this medical card, and really not a whole lot else. Where did the investigation go from there? I know they had some forensic evidence collected from the vehicle, but really not a lot of leads, right? Yeah, no, really not a lot of leads. They had taken um, evidence from the car and examined it, um, through fingerprint examination, but it wasn't really the expanded technology that we have today. It didn't really lead them anywhere. And the only tip that they had back in 1994 was this man that, you know, had possibly been seen with him at a tavern over um, in Moline on the Illinois side. But they really, it was 20 years before they were able to actually identify that man. All that was really known was he was this bearded man. And um, ironically, actually, um, Steve Asplund had been wearing a Chicago Bears pullover the night he disappeared. And this man was supposedly wearing um, a Green Bay Packers pullover. So everyone thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah, it wasn't until 2014 that they um, were able to actually identify this bearded man. And they determined through an interview that he had never met Asplund. They had never been Um, at this tavern together. And that was kind of when the case went cold again. So as you said, 20 years later, 2014, they ruled out this man. I mean, it sounds like they really didn't really ever identify this as a potential homicide or or anything. It was just a missing persons case, right? Yeah, it was a missing persons case with just really no tips, no information. Again, just disappeared out of plain sight sort of thing. Eventually, uh, that that changed, and uh, a body was found. Tell us where this all, all led. Yeah, so um, it was November last year, 2021, one of the uh, Moline Police Department detectives, uh, Michael Griffin, he started really analyzing this, and he went through the National Missing and Unidentified System, um, the NamUs database, very thoroughly, and he was looking for um, recovered unidentified remains that had been found along the Mississippi River. And he was looking specifically from Moline, Illinois to Memphis, Tennessee. And he had this time frame, 1994 to 1996. He started down in Tennessee. Um, and eventually 
he came across that a male white body had been found um, in St. Louis County, Missouri in March 1994. So just two months after Steve Asland had gone missing. Um, it was March 21st. He had been found by barge dock workers, um, was in a, the body was in like a debris field next to the barge. And St. Louis County authorities were just never able to identify the body. It was just in such bad shape that they weren't able to take fingerprints off of it. So he was just kind of considered a John Doe. And one of the things that the detective, Michael Griffin, had said was that there was an incorrect entry in this name, this NamUs database um, with the dental records that initially kind of misled them um, from this. But one of the things was when Steve Aslan had gone missing, he was wearing gray sweatpants and white shoes. Um, and this body that was found in St. Louis County also had gray sweatpants and white shoes. Which is, in a sense, I mean, almost astonishing that that such a long period of time later, there was still some clothing and they were able to identify the body. But but that's exactly what they did. They they identified this this body as that of Steve Asplund. Yeah. So what ended up happening was um, earlier this year, over the summer, um, the body had been buried in St. Louis County, and they actually exhumed the body and took a bone sample and they were able to compare it to the samples that they already had. And it, it was determined to be um, Steve Aslan's body that, you know, unfortunately had been found just two months after he had gone missing. But, you know, no one knew that until 28 years later. So what have investigators revealed or, or, said about a cause of death or or what they think happened uh, and it turns out uh that you know that this wasn't as far as they're concerned foul play no yeah they ruled that it was not foul play there's no criminal charges being filed um they just say his cause of death is drowning they think that january 9th that night he went over into bettendorf parked his car next to the river and um entered the mississippi river just out of his own free will. And they haven't released any details about, you know, why they think he did that. But they think um, when he was in the river, his body got caught on a barge and that's where it was dragged to St. Louis County when he was eventually found, the body was eventually found two months later. And that ID card, they believe, obviously was just swept down river as well and and found at another location. Yeah, they think... um, it was just dislodged in the river and had washed up on shore and someone had, cause it, it was, it wasn't just sitting on the ground. Someone had picked it up and placed it on a hand at a handrail. So they think it was just someone had seen it and, you know, wasn't familiar with the case, didn't know that this man was missing and just assumed someone would come back for it. So they left it in a place where they thought someone would find it. Jenna, we typically cover crime cases on the show. This one is, Interesting in that it, it, it had to do with uh, a man who disappeared a long time ago. He's had family, obviously, over many, many years, just devastated, wondering what happened. He had a fiance, as you mentioned, and it, it sort of led in the direction of, well, maybe this is suspicious. There was a potential suspect, as you said, ruled out. 
But I think it just speaks to the nature of a, a cold case like this, something that happened so long ago and people wondering what could have happened. And then after so many years, it turns out, well, this wasn't a crime after all. It's been ruled accidental entirely. Yeah, no, and that's that's exactly it. And, you know, it's been 28 years and um, the family released a statement saying that this is just going to bring them a little bit of closure just to know exactly what happened, but really a credit to our police department and the detective who just was able to identify this. And, you know, there was something wrong in the database and his intuition to say, well, I'm going to check this more really was what was able to bring this family um, some closure nearly three decades later. And not to pull on this thread too much, but I have to ask with this with this announcement that it was a drowning, have you heard any misgivings from the family or others who have questioned that that ruling or wondered if, if this is still something else or has this case been put to bed? No, there really hasn't been any questioning of it. The police say it's case closed and people are kind of going with that. Jenna Webster at WQAD News 8. Thanks so much for talking to us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. If you haven't already, check out the newest podcast from Vault Studios. It's called Intent, the Tex MacGyver case, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For The Daily Crime, I'm Will Johnson.